0: Money FM 89.3. Best of Breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. I'm Ryan Huang, and we are taking a look at what's to come for the rest of the year for markets. And we are chatting with Chetan Seth, Asia-Pacific Equity Strategist for Numura. Chetan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Good morning. Hey, it's great having you on the show. Now, I was at your recent event where you walked through your outlook for the rest of the year and one of the points that stood out was your outlook for China. Now, your brokerage has cut the year-end target for the MSCI China Index to 67 from Uh 75.3. So, give us an idea. What's the thinking behind? this cutback and of course there has been some data that's been rather weak coming through from China
1: yeah so before I go to the reasoning, I mean, I would just want to mention that we are still constructive. Uh, I think from now until end of this year, I think investors can still expect uh, China to deliver, you know, kind of um, high single digit returns. But we have toned down our expectation, as you said. And the reasoning was that, you, you know, it seems that the recovery post reopening, which was quite strong, is now, uh, I guess, slowing. Uh, so if you look at some of the key activity indicators for April, whether it's uh, fixed asset investments, retail sales, industrial production, and even the early PMI indicators we've got for the month of May, they have also weakened and they have come below expectations. So what has happened is, as a house, Nomura Economist for China, they have downgraded their 2023 GDP growth rate estimates from, I think, 59 to 5.5%. And we're also seeing that the rest of the street is also toning down their economic growth for protect- so as that happens, we've also toned down expectations on earnings for China. But net-net, I would say we're still constructive uh, and we still see value in China's stocks.
0: All right, Chetan, we are seeing some weak data. Maybe we can unpack that and look at some of the underlying factors and maybe how long that could last. Um, how much is it due to geopolitics?
1: Well, I would say geopolitics does not necessarily immediately impact uh, the economic data. Uh, but I would say this is a longer term force, um, you know, a, a kind of a mega theme uh, and which obviously impacts sentiment. So one of the things we also did was because of rising e- tension between US and China, we have assumed a lower target multiple uh, or call it, uh, you know, the PE multiple as strategists like me used to assign to come up with some index target. Uh, and view the idea there is that as investors feel uncertain about medium term or longer term outlook they would be unwilling to pay a higher target multiple for China stock. So essentially we are kind of uh, assuming a lower target multiple because of these tensions. And really, I mean, uh, it does impact sentiment. And that's why we have also, that's another reason why we have to tone down our expectations.
0: Yeah, Chetan, when I look at the headlines, there seems to be a divide, actually. Some money managers are saying, hey, it's getting cheap and it's time to get in on the bargains in China. Mm. But on the other hand, I think you've been going through road trips, for example, in Hong Kong and hearing from mm. the ground that things are not actually playing out the way they were hoping, at least at the start of the year.
1: Yeah, I would say one thing which has changed over the course of last three, four days is there is now some bit of expectations building in the market that maybe China will announce another set of measures to stimulate the property sector. Now, as you know, property sector is quite important for China. Now, if there is some sort of measures uh, from China on that, and given the very low valuations and fairly, I would say, bearish sentiment from investors we could see a, a you know quite a strong rally where the debate right now Ryan is that between investors is whether those stimulus measures or uh, you know easing measures will be very meaningful which leads to like a big rally big sustainable rally or it would just be some sort of marginal easing so investors are quite divided the way I would think about it sentiment is quite low valuations are quite low and if we get a catalyst in the form of some sort of property sector measures you could see you could see uh, a rally but this is really different uh, versus a month ago when i was in hong kong marketing on the ground meeting investors you know and sentiment was quite i would say bearish people were questioning the sustainability of the recovery and people were also saying that look um, you know the easing or, or stimulus has not been enough to stimulate growth
0: now talking about sustainability chetan uh, what is the momentum like behind the ai theme mm. we are seeing quite mm. a bit of run up around names that have to do mm. with ai
1: yeah, I think this is a mega theme, and uh, I, I think we as a house are quite excited, you know, and Nomura, we have many analysts who uh, who look at uh, AI as a theme, and we cover many of these stocks. Uh, I, I think we are at the beginning of this mega theme, uh, and in Asia, I would say, I mean, as you know, in, in US, uh, some of these AI stocks have done very well. I mean, I would say from an Asia perspective, there are many stocks here which are also beneficiaries of this AI thematic, so we've got tech hardware companies in Korea, Taiwan, you know. Some some of these companies produce memory. Some of these companies actually produce chips, which actually go uh, in the making of these uh, supercomputers. So there is a lot of excitement. And I would say one thing about Asian stocks is, unlike U.S., is our stocks here are still not very rich on valuation. So we think there is still a room for some of these stocks to to go higher. Now, I would also caveat it by saying that, look, stocks never always go up on a straight mm-hmm. line. There will be periods when there will be pullbacks, but the the structural opportunity is there. And I think um, my sense is if we do get any pullbacks, I think some of these pullbacks might be bought by investors.
0: Yeah, it sounds like um, anything to do with AI is catching on retail investors. So is the value still there when you look at markets in Korea and Taiwan, or have they become mm-hmm. a bit too pricey? N-
1: not really. I won't say these are pricey markets, actually. Definitely Korea is not. Maybe Taiwan you can get you can say that maybe it's getting a bit toppy, but clearly that, you know, if you compare Korea Taiwan with, you know, some of the valuations in US or specifically, you know, some of these popular uh, stocks like NVIDIA, you know, they are very low here in, in our part of the world. So I don't think so valuation is a concern. And one of the things I will also mention here is that in the early stages of uh, any of these mega themes, what typically happens is you know, valuations optically become quite rich uh, because the investors are willing to pay a premium and mm-hmm. the fundamental do not immediately turn it takes time so it's very natural for stocks to actually trade at uh, multiples which are which look optically very high compared to you know previous averages so net net short answer is yeah it's not a big problem uh, at least now yeah i remember the days um,
0: when amazon was saying it was uh, expensive and to some extent tesla as well Uh, talk about evs what's -hmm. the play here are we looking at indonesia
1: Well, uh, Indonesia is quite interesting. I mean, as you know, Indonesia is one of the world's largest producers of nickel. You know, a lot happening on the ground in Indonesia. You know, in the past, uh, Indonesia used to, you know, take out nickel from the ground and just export raw ore to the rest of the world. But they've banned uh, raw exports uh, of nickel. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to build a domestic downstreaming industry where they're... Essentially encouraging companies to come and and build uh, you know kind of refining plants plants on the ground uh, so many Chinese companies have invested there you know Koreans are looking to invest there was also kind of speculation that even Tesla might be there so I think this is again a mega theme, and I think on on many fronts it will help Indonesia so I would say two three fronts one is the currency you know which always was an issue in the past may get some support going forward because the view here is that as they start Adding value, uh, you know, through exports, more value-added stuff. You know, your exports kitty will increase, and it will support your currency. Second, just in terms of job creation, and third, you know, as the economy grows, and you know, you you know, if you start generating sustainable GDP growth rates of let's say five, six percent. You know, it will help your credit growth. So there is an opportunity there, and from our perspective, uh, I mean, we think the opportunity, the indirect opportunity to play that theme, is through some of these Indonesian banks. Uh, you know in Indonesia of course people can play that opportunity through nickel plays uh, also but you know they have their own cycle so you know some of these commodities are very cyclical so there's always a risk but uh, from our side I think banks are a better indirect way to play that theme
0: all right banks in Indonesia to play EVs and Korea and Taiwan possibly for chips and still constructive on China but cutting back to some extent let me Chetan Seth he's the Asia-Pacific equity strategist for Numura Chetan thank Thanks for the time this morning, and have a great weekend in advance. Thank you, Ryan. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.